What's up, my little mistakers and new listeners? You're tuned in to the Humor in Mistakes podcast, where each week we have a guest come in and talk about past mistakes. I'm Donovan McNeil. And I'm Andrew Gleason. And we find mistakes hilarious. But human. We think we can learn a thing or two. So join us on our journey as two upcoming comedians who make mistakes. Take a listen, have a laugh, and go make a mistake. Our guest for this week is comedian, writer, and performer, Rebecca Fox. Rebecca Fox is part of the group, The Rebecca Show, who she performs with her co-star, Rebecca. Rebecca Jackson Artist. They're both Rebecca's. It works. It's amazing. At first, I thought they were twins. They're not. One's white and one is black. They're not twins whatsoever, but they are funny, and that's what matters. Rebecca Fox came on the show to talk about her new sketch comedy, What If I'm the Becky? It's an original sketch comedy by the two Rebeccas. In this show, they explore moments from biblical times to today in which people realize the situations that they thought were fine are in fact not fine. The show dates are March 13th, 15th, 19th, and 22nd at 7 p.m. and March 13th, 14th, 20th and 21st at 8 p.m. What If I'm the Becky is a two-woman sketch show about cognitive dissonance and is supported by a Man Bites Dog theater grant. Rebecca Fox is a bilingual speech-language pathologist and a Spanish teacher in North Carolina who works with school-age children from 3 to 21 years old. She's also worked as a performer, writer, and teaching artist in Chicago. Even though my seal of approval means nothing, Rebecca Fox is a legit speech-language pathologist. She picked up on the lisp. Uh, She has great insight about picking up and moving to a new city at 17, uh, traversing the city and show business and all the negativity that comes with that, and then deciding to move back to North Carolina once she was done with show business. So take a listen, little mistakers. You can learn something. Uh, what's up, little mistakers? I'm here with Rebecca Fox. Yes, hello. Uh, <laughs> you looked at me so quizzically. I, I was like, like I, what? I, I like to just like tor- turn towards them, give them their like 30 Wah? seconds of uh, fame. This is it. This is. I'm ruining it. I'm blowing it already. <laughs> I told you I'm going to be the worst guest you've ever had. No, no, that is impossible. And mm-hmm. Andrew Drew Gleasy Gleason. Hello. Uh, it is impossible for you to be our worst guest because... We have vaulted some episodes. Okay. Um, before there, we had rules and standards about things people could say. There are. It's shocking what people will admit to. Yeah. I'm. So, the, I'm going to be the opposite. You're just gonna yes. Be, like I'm a teacher. Okay. I'm a speech language pathologist. I have little kids. I live in a small town. So I'm just going to like every single thing. I'm going to be like, oh. Um, people will hear this. I, yeah. Okay. People will hear this. Kids will hear this. Kids' parents will hear this. My kids might hear this. I'm just like, everything, I'm going to be like, you know, you should just wear sunscreen. (laughs) And I feel like we're living in a different time now. Like, we understand that teachers have lives. Yeah. Like, especially before they became teachers. Yes. The the saintly teacher is no longer a... uh, the thing we expect. When Facebook first came out and teachers were getting fired for holding a beer. (gasps) I didn't know that. Yeah. 
My ex was a teacher, and it happened at her school. Ooh, yeah. that's terrible. Yeah. I mean, I presume that that teacher was of age. Yeah. And like, wasn't living in a no, dry. If you, if you were a teacher, country. you weren't allowed. Like, she to, wasn't working in Saudi Arabia or something. No, this was Chapel Hill, actually. That's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. But now I understand that teachers aren't saints. Like my future children, I want my their teacher to have lived a full life and continue to live it. Like, if they roll out of bed hungover and they go teach the class. Power to them. Yes. Applause. Yeah. That's. Do you ever teach hangover? No. Oh. Good answer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to thank you um, because of you. I got off my whore, high horse today. Tell me more about that. Um, I was doing research. I like to stalk our guests okay. before. By the way, your uh, Instagram is private. Yes. So I did. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I friended you on Facebook. But I'm, I'm old. You did. You did. Yeah. I have not gone thoroughly through your Facebook. Oh, really? Enough. I have not. Mm. Um, but I listened to Beyonce today. Yeah. I listened to Sorry. I don't know what this is about. I'm so confused. You, it's on your website. It is? Yeah. Oh, yes. Of course. Oh. Of course. Because it's got the line about Becky with the good hair. Yeah. Oh, the, yeah. Uh, the Rebecca Show website. Yes. The Rebecca Show website. Yes. I was on like, I've been for like the past few years on like, I don't listen to mainstream artists, oh. like High Horse. The song is really good. It's a great song. He's yeah. typically in flannel holding a PBR. <laughs> oh yeah. You're very cool. I try to be. I try I mean, to be. I feel like I don't know anything about any music that was made since like 2013. That's when I got pregnant. <laughs> I like, I don't know. Like your ringtone. I was like, I'm cool. I know that song. <laughs> It's okay. an in- inspirational song. It is. It, is. it uh, bounces me back in the morning. 20- Wait, is, are we talking about sorry or high hopes? Uh, both. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, now I know that if someone cheats on me, I will play the Beyonce song for them and then uh, threaten them in the club. There you have it. I think Beyonce should come out strongly against the massacre of bees. She's apparently the queen bee. She has not commented on the demise of the, the, of the bees, bee, the honeybee. Beyonce doesn't have an opinion about pesticides and stuff yeah. like that. Okay. This, I don't know. This bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she just has this. We feel like she just should stand up. Like, okay. Uh, yeah. Stand up for bees everywhere. The beehive is going to come after you now. Bees. I think that's like what her fan base is called. And from what I understand, they're very they intensely don't... protective. Oh, it's terrible. They don't play around. I wish I had a fan base like that. Was it Beyonce's fan base or... Taylor Swift's who went up against Black Twitter. Uh, it's gotta be Taylor Swift. It might have been Taylor Swift. <laughs> I mean, I, um, there was something, and it was hilarious. They were, I mean, it's just Twitter is amazing. Twitter it was just like amazing. a world war of, of, I think Taylor Swift fans versus Black Twitter, and they were all tweeting each other, going back and forth on the internet, and popcorn meme. I was just just sitting back watching it, enjoying. What's so 2013 was pregnant, yeah. But going back, what uh, what what music were you into in high school? Oh, in high school, can we guess? Oh, yes. Uh, well, this is tough. Hmm. Naked ladies, no. Did you okay? I'm gonna go with you. You had a because everybody did it the the emo phase. I even liked the the emo music for a little bit. Did you? I'm older than y'all, I Uh, think. Okay, I have no idea how old you are. I'm 40. What? Yeah. Didn't I guess? Okay, let me reverse 10 years. <laughs> I, yeah, I was thinking like, I'm 30. Okay. 
All right, 10 years ago. Uh, okay, so you're a Michael Jackson fan. Sure. Okay, yeah. that, that's, that's a given. So let's Before branch out. Before I knew. Okay, of course, of course. We've got to protect roses. You know, a bunch of my friends were really into Guns N' Roses, but like, I, I don't know why I wasn't, I just wasn't. I think probably because my, you know, I just couldn't buy that many CDs. So it was like, this is, yeah. Oh, why couldn't you buy the CDs? Because I didn't have that much money. Uh, I couldn't okay. like go buy every single CD that I wanted to. Okay, I got yeah. you. You look like you rapped. I don't know why, <laughs> but you look like I you did. rapped in your bedroom. I did. No, okay. I did not. Okay. I wish I did. Okay. No, that would be very cool. Nelly. I love Nellie. Nellie's from college, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I would say I like Where, Where'd you go to college? I went to Northwestern in, in Evanston, Illinois. Okay. Yeah, near yeah. Chicago. Midwestern. Mid- no, I'm not. I'm from Greensboro. Dude, oh. North Carolina. That's that's why I've been so nice to her. I'm sometimes cold to the people oh, that are, are not really? from. are you really? People who are not from here, you're like, you're an interloper? Mm. Yeah, I'm just like, I'll have them on the podcast and put on the podcast. Uh-huh. But I give them the evil eye when they turn around. Interesting. Yeah, no evil eye. But they chose to come here, right? Or no, or maybe they just are like, I'm at Duke, but I'm not in North Carolina. Exactly. I can say that, like, I lived in Chicago, or I lived in, I went to Northwestern, and then I stayed for, like, seven years. And I remember there would sometimes be times that I was like, I live in Illinois. Like, what am I doing in (laughs) Illinois? (laughs) But Chicago feels different from Illinois. What is Illinois? I don't... I think it's, like, a native word. Actually, I do remember. I, I uh, listened to a, a podcast on the history of that. It's a it's a made up Indian name. Oh, it is. Yep. That sounds about right. <laughs> That's yep. <laughs> I know. I I think I'm not positive, but I think Chicago means like stinking onion or something like that, which is where the Onion newspaper got its name from. Huh. We're just Ooh. trading pop culture I'm, trivia. I'm learning stuff. I like this. About to pull this out one day. Yeah, let's. This is uh, all Google. <laughs> my next date at Trivia Night. Yeah. Um, why? How did you get from North Carolina to Illinois? Like, what made you make that jump at such a young age? Well, um, I wanted to leave. I wanted to go super far away. Um, I wanted to be an actor. Um, I went to, I was telling Andrew that I went to the North Carolina School of the Arts for high school, my last year in high school in drama. Um, And I really, really liked conservatories, which are like, you know, where you like study your art only and you end up with a BFA. Um, But I was like a pretty decent student. And so I was like, I guess I should probably get a liberal arts degree because I don't know. Maybe I'll change my mind. And um, so Northwestern has a really good theater program that is not a BFA. And it was very far away, which is where I wanted to be. And also, like, I had in, um, at School of the Arts, we had done a bunch of, like, Spolin-style improv. Like, one of the person who ran the program back then, Bob Moyer, was, like, an acolyte of Viola Spolin, who's like the mommy of improv, or the grandmommy of improv. Yeah. And so we did a bunch of Spolin games, and you know, I knew that the Second City was there, I knew that Light was sort of like a hub of improvisation, and so I went to Northwestern, and I studied theater, and I did improv, and then I graduated, and I just stayed, and stayed, and stayed. That is crazy. I don't know I if I answered your question. Like, you did. <laughs> okay. That is crazy. I feel like some people keep improv private and secret. Like, you're telling me that improv existed in high school 10 years before I was in high school, and I had never heard of improv until, like, six years ago. I feel like y'all kept it secret. I'm sorry. Yeah. 
Now I my take ha- personal responsibility. Please do. That is like, my mistake. Every time that you- will be my mistake. <laughs> I'll be like nineteen year old Rebecca Analog. <laughs> don't keep improv secret. I will say, and I probably shouldn't say this here in the People's Improv Theater of Chapel Hill, but like, I don't particularly love performing improv. I think it's like, like I really like to. I like to do it. I think it's a great tool for me. But like, I don't like to. I don't like to improvise in front of an audience. Really. I'd rather like get a good idea and then write it down and make it better. I think it's most beneficial to a lot of people as a tool to better act or do stand up mm-hmm. or you know apply or to it to like other write things. to come up with characters. Yeah, I have seen and like I also can like look back and I'll be like, okay, but like I was ni- I was nineteen years old and I was like you know taking in improv and I feel like you know I have seen improv shows that like at the time felt like they were really transcendent, but I'm like. Sometimes I, I should not, I feel like this is really sacrilegious to say all this stuff in like a house of improv. <laughs> but I'm like, as an adult, would I go back and like watch that show and be like, that was amazing? I don't know. I mean, that's with our duo. That's what we started talking about. Like we want to do shows that are like people can watch that don't understand improv. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it was trouble finding a coach for that because we like a lot of improv is boring sometimes. Like especially if you don't know improv because i just remember inviting my sisters to a long form show and they're like what is going on what's happening yeah yeah like they don't get that oh you made a call back right or they don't feel they don't feel it the way that like you want you think that the audience feels it exactly every single time because it might be such a deep cut exactly Hmm. i just watched drive with the gosling you guys seen it but it okay well this has a point brian cranston is in it, and because they cut all of Ryan Gosling's character's dialogue, he uh, improvised all of his lines in that movie. And I was like, that's what improv is for. It's to set you up to be able to uh, react and live in the moment. It's not, it's not a high-value performance. I feel like in any minute, these like, <laughs> sprinklers are going to come on, yeah. and they're yeah. going to be like, get out of here! <laughs> Well, Talking well, bad about improv <laughs> at the people's improv theater. I'm not scared. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes Ooh. I feel guilty doing improv. I do you? Why? Yeah, uh, because I feel like it is not econ- It's a creative. It's a creative field that is not economically feasible for a lot of people. Um, like you're just like this is too much of a luxury. Yeah, I feel like it's too much of a luxury because I wouldn't have been. I could wouldn't have been able to afford the classes had I not been you know, outside of college making money. So I feel like it's, it's, a, it's a luxury. Yeah. Um, so sometimes I feel guilty for it. Just like, like it ta- like it's like horseback riding. Like you have to like, like it just takes so much money to get good at it. Exactly. Yeah. As opposed to stand up, which is like, you could ostensibly just have a notebook or like whatever you're exactly. And just You've do heard it. Of horse girls. I'm an improv guy. You're an improv boy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Horse Girl, another great movie. Alison Brie. Okay. okay. So, oh. <laughs> so that's how I ended up in Chicago. Okay. And so I was, I was, I was on a different topic now. No. But yeah, you're back. No, you're no, in no, Chicago. No, no. We can, yeah. Well, anyway. in my head, I was thinking like, you know, like when you're talking to someone who's a, a psychiatrist or psychologist, you're always worried if they're like evaluating your brain. Yeah. I was in here. I was like, am I talking correctly? Like you are. Your talking is perfect. Okay. The reason I'm asking for our people that don't know, you're a speech pathologist. I am. I'm uh, a speech what pathologist. What does that do? 
a speech pathologist, a speech language pathologist. Ooh, SPL. Oh, yes. SLP. Oh, is and here's the thing what's funny is okay so i'll tell you what a speech language pathologist is a speech language pathologist is a person who does diagnosis and treatment of all kinds of speech language communication cognition and swallowing disorders um because it's like the same swallowing is because it's the same like brain and and i guess whatever laryngeal structures so yeah um, most of what I've worked with is in a school setting. So like with kids who have language disorders, um, and speech disorders. <laughs> I'm, and, um, I'm laughing for a reason. I'm laughing for a reason, right. but continue. No, 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 no. <laughs> Tell me what your reason is. Uh, Andrew knows I'm laughing. I have a lisp and we make fun of it all the it's time. It's very, very subtle. Okay. Sweet. And it does not like, I don't know. Here's the thing. Like, some SLPs are really into, like, you have to call me a speech-language pathologist. Like, they are not the speech teacher. They are not a speech pathologist. They are not an SLT. And I'm like, our whole field is, like, to have effective communication. And also, we work with people who have communication disabilities. So, like, to, to force someone who, like, has been in a bike accident and hurt their head to remember speech-language pathologist, it just seems like... Like there's a little there's a little bit of cognitive dissonance there, I think. And some SLPs are like really I think they get into it because they think they're perfect. Like they think their language is perfect, they think their speech is perfect, they think they have the only right way to talk. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say that. I feel like SLPs on the internet are that way. But like most SLPs that I know in real life, like you know, we're not elocution coaches. Like we want what we want is effective communication, and that's what you have. Okay. I, I was sweating this entire no. time. Well, we're, can I ask about? He has a theory that if mm-hmm. he uh, makes out with uh, ladies enough, that uh, it'll fix his lisp. Is that true? You should ask your girlfriend about <laughs> that. Yeah, Andrew. No. Well, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, I think no. Non-speech oral motor exercises have been proven to like, be ineffective. So you deal with like the neurology of it? I don't, but speech language pathologists who work in the hospital do. Like they'll work with adults, especially who have like acquired disabilities from stroke or traumatic brain injury or other things. So much because I drank through my formative years. Maybe, yeah. Maybe you have like cerebellar. I don't know. (laughs) It's like I'm uh, trying to remember like what alcohol. It's a Vernock uh, syndrome. And it's where, like, uh, you'll see it in, like, like 50, 60-year-old alcoholics. Oh, wow. Like, one eye is lazy because they lose their I'm watching, ocular. I'm looking. Um, Muscles. And their, uh, their uh, speech, like, they'll, even if they stop drinking, they'll slur their words. I don't think, I, w- I mean, I so don't know. I'm I not, mumble a lot. But mumbling, I don't know. Like, I'm not giving you a full evaluation, so, like, I'm saying this as your friend and not as a speech-language pathologist, but, like, I, I wouldn't be, like, what? I can't pay you. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, like, I don't think that your speech is... I wouldn't be, like, ooh, let me give you the card of my... I'm going to be confident for the rest of the day. There you go. Hey, there you I'm go. just... I'm here to validate. Yes. I'm I here to validate that. you guys. I appreciate that. I want to make everyone happy. Uh, so what's it like being in Chicago, or not in Chicago, in Illinois as a young... A young lady young in lady, college. Like you just jumped, you're there, how's it going? You know, it's funny because I remember that I wanted to leave so bad. And I'd already been away from home for a year. Like, I'd lived in the dorms at the school of the arts, and I was like, I'm ready, I'm grown, I'm out of here, bye. And I remember I went home for Thanksgiving, and like, I missed my parents so much. And then I came back... 
And then I just, I never left for Thanksgiving again. But like I was coming down, I remember like looking out the window and everything was just covered in snow, but not in a pretty way, in this like sort of gray, desolate, very, very cold way. And I remember looking out the window and just crying. And then I remember that like I got outside and I'd heard about this, but it hadn't happened yet. You know, this is like late November in Chicago now and there's a snowstorm and I get out there and it's so cold and I, I breathe in through my nose and like, the boogers in my nose froze and like I'd heard about it happening and I was just like, what am I doing here? This is a terrible place. So, um, I mean, I would say like for the first couple of years it was hard. And I think that like, like you, you were sort of like, I was very cool. Here's what I would say was a mistake. I'm like, ah, this is good. I'm happy. You're, you'd be like a good, I don't know. You're good at facilitating this. One thing that I kind of wish I'd done is that I hadn't thought that like, I'm so cool. I'm not going to do X because I kind of feel like for the first, the first couple of years, I was sort of like, eh, I'm too cool for this or that. I'm too cool for that. I'm not going to try this. I'm not going to do that. And like, in retrospect, I'm kind of like, I should have just like not joined an acapella group. Cause like, I'm far too cool for that still. <laughs> but like, you know, for instance, there were, there were like various things that I wish that I just like gone ahead and done. Um, you look like you can snap your fingers really well. Do you want me to try it? Yes. Yes. You would Beautiful. have been barbershop quartet. I know. Yeah. Are they still called barbershop quartets if it's a group of uh, ladies? Or Yeah, I, I think okay. so. I think I so. I thought you were going to be like, if there's five of them? <laughs> <laughs> no, then it's a quintet. Um, no, yeah. So, I mean, that's the kind of stuff. But, yeah, it was fine. Um, I think that, like, it's funny because, like, while you're in a situation... I don't know, especially when you're young, like your whole brain hasn't grown in yet, like your frontal lobe hasn't grown in. You don't understand necessarily the decisions that you're making or why you're making them. You don't understand the consequences of anything that you do. So like, you know, you're just kind of like hurtling through life doing this or that. Um, Aw, drink your water. Um, (laughs) A gallon a day. (laughs) It's good. Um, So like, I don't know where I was going with this. You said you didn't get out there enough. I didn't get out there enough, and I kind of feel like, yeah, oh, I was going to say something really deep, and then I like got, then I got into the frontal lobe. Oh, I don't remember. I think, like, oh, shoot. Were you I don't know, I lost uh, particularly, like, social? Yeah, I'm extroverted. Yeah. I'm pretty extroverted. I had it, and then it went yep. away. <laughs> yeah, I was so pretty much. extroverted, but also, like, Northwestern is sort of like, it's a pretty competitive place. Like I was a really strong student when I was in high school and like, I kind of saw that as like my ticket out. And also like, you know, education was just really important. So I was like, I'm going to do well. I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to leave my podunk town behind, which is not true. Like now as an adult, I'm like, Greensboro is a small city. And like, I look back and I'm like, it was actually like a very cool place to have grown up. Like I went to a really cool high school. It was like the place where they sent all the LGBTQ kids from other schools that were getting bullied. Like they would come to our school because it was like, had this very accepting atmosphere. Like I knew all kinds of cool people in high school, but like, you know, at the time you're just like, this isn't cool. I'm too good for this. Da, 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 da. Um, You may have noticed my facial has changed. What is it? What is it? Andrew, I think we have another one. Oh no. Another curb ruiner. What? Are you a curve ruiner? Curve? Yeah. No, no. I was a solid A minus student. And I would like to think that in general, that's probably like if I were to write my memoir, it would be like Rebecca Fox, 
Solid A minus. <laughs> okay. All, All right. the way. All right. Demeanor has changed. I'm no, back no. here. I'm back. I don't like curve. Really no, much. I wasn't a nut. Okay. I wasn't a nut. Okay. I wasn't like, I mean, like I was going to do as well as I could, but not as well as I could. could. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you know, fair I enough. There's, a, there's yeah. a clear gap. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't. Yeah. And then fortunately I went to, um, oh, I keep losing my train of thought. I'm like, no, I already said that. I don't know. I told you, I'm the worst guest you're ever going to have. No, this is I'm boring. Like, I'm like, I did well in school, and yeah, I made no mistakes ever in my entire life. I'll tell you off here. We got to stop referencing past episodes. <laughs> but okay. so, I think that's okay because I want our mistakers to know that it's not all sunshine and rainbows. Like I, I want a clear field of who we are. There have been mistakes made in yeah. the Humor and Mistakes podcast. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He left his recording equipment in D.C. last month. Yeah, oh. I drove. I drove down <gasps> here to record and realized that we had an episode. What the next day? So I record. I drove in the middle of the night all the way back and came back. That is dedication. It's a mistake. Yeah, it's um, a mistake. Is what it is. Yeah. So, so yeah, leave those references in, baby. I'll stand behind them. <laughs> so you're in uh, Chicago. Or not Chicago. Uh, you're in Illinois at Northwestern. What is your next move after college? Oh, yeah. So I stayed in... I thought I was going to stay for like a year, and I ended up staying for seven years. Um, Were you I, like uh, Van Wilder? I don't know what that means. He, he was... It's the movie where the guy like takes seven years to get a two-year degree. No. No. So you just stayed there? No, 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 no. I stayed in Chicago. Yeah, I graduated in four years. I graduated in time. My parents were not going to pay for me to like keep going to a private school. Um, So yeah, so then I got out and I had been in an improv group in college. And oh, I had like... What was your name? Our our name in college was the Titanic Players. Were there three? Um, No, but there were three of us. It was like a group. It was like a big group of people. And then um, a bunch of us had taken classes at at, at what was Improv Olympic back then. Um, And it's funny. I feel like I like to tell this story just because I was like, I would like to illustrate what it was like to be like a 19-year-old girl like in Chicago taking classes, you know, taking the L and taking classes. I just remember that like I'd already been on an improv team at my college for like a year our coach was awesome. Like he basically taught us how to do long form. And then he was like, some of, you know, if you want, you should go take classes at IO. And so like some of us did. And I got put on a team quickly. Like for one thing, there were not very many women back then doing improv. And for another, like I'd already been doing this for a year or more. So I remember that like I got to my first rehearsal and I got there early. And I don't, I know I was here early too, but in general, I'm not <laughs> a punctual person. Like it's very easy in job interviews. If you're like, what's your weakness? I'm like, punctuality um but I remember I got to my rehearsal there early and like my coach was sort of like sitting in the shadows it was it was like upstairs at this bar or something like I'm not even old enough to be at this bar and he's like sitting in the shadows and he's smoking because people smoked back then indoors and he was like are you Rebecca Fox and I was like yes and he was like how old are you Rebecca and I was like 19 and he goes what level are you on and I was like, I just got out of level two. And he was like, do you know, Rebecca Fox, how long it took me to get put on a team? And I was like, I, I don't know. <laughs> and I was like, no. <laughs> you know, and I mean, it was, I don't know how long it was. It was like five years or something. I don't know. And I'm like, now, like looking back, I'm kind of like, probably because you're a jerk. Yeah, maybe it's the and attitude. Mean. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's the attitude. Exactly. So like, 
that was not a good start to like my introduction to Chicago um, improv. I mean, I, I enjoyed my classes and like, you know, my coach obviously like saw something cool in me and like put me on a team. But like, it's funny because I look back at that. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like people are terrible. Like, <laughs> yeah. What would Rebecca Fox now say if she were to walk into that same situation? You know, I kind of feel like if I were to watch that movie now, I wish that I had just left and, like, told someone. You know, it sounds dorky to be a tattler. Like, I mean, really, you know, if it was a movie, I would, like, knock the cigarette out of his hand and, like, <laughs> you know, thrown his beer in his face. I'm sure he was drinking at, like, 2 in the afternoon, too. But, like, you know, but, like, I think I probably should have told because I think that, like, the ethos, the supposed ethos of improv is to be, like, open and welcoming and... Um, to work as a team. And I just feel like that is a terrible way not to like that. foster team spirit to like the very first person who shows up, you like make them feel bad about being there. Um, so I think that I did continue to be on that team for a little while and then I got put on another name. And then after I graduated college, um, two girls from my improv team in college who I think had also, I think all three of us got put on different teams, you know, out of level two as college students and they were going to like do an improv show together. And I was like, I'm in too. So I just kind of like inserted myself and we did like one improv show, one improv run maybe. And I think it was good. Like we'd been working together already for like four or five years. Um, but we'd like, I don't know, very shortly thereafter, I think we were like, we got to write this down. And so we started doing sketch shows and we did that for a while. And then, yeah, I don't know. What was it like getting out there, right? And by that I mean, when you say you just decided to do a show, like, did you have the confidence to do it? Did y'all have to, like, have confidence in each other? Like, how do you build yourself up to make a show in Chicago? Because that's not an easy thing to do. I mean, I think that, like, that's what we were all there to do. And I know that, like, at least for me, like, that's when I started getting that's when all of us like started doing anything there. Um, and kind of the same here even too. I think that like, you know, if you're just going on auditions and nobody knows you, like how many good monologues, you know, like a monologue is a monologue or like reading from a script. Like if I don't know you, then I don't, I don't know. It was great. I mean, I thought it was awesome. And you know, we were able at that time to like get space and do shows and we got, it was nice. I mean, it was like, especially as like a young woman, it was awesome and it was super empowering. And I was able to like write my own roles and like do the kind of stuff that I wanted. And I didn't have to wait around for somebody to tell me what they thought I looked like I ought to be able to do on stage, you know? And it was like a three person show. So it's like, we all starred. So yeah, it was great. And it, I think that's like similar to how it's been with the Rebecca show too, is that I was like, I wanted to like have a creative life again here and I honestly, I was like, I guess I'm just going to go improv or something. I don't know what, I guess I'll just go improvise. I don't know what else to do. Um, but I ended up, I did like a stage reading festival through the Women's Theater Festival and by like pure luck met Rebecca Jackson Artis. Sorry, I made like a big leap here oh, in no, my biography. By pure luck met Rebecca Jackson Artis. And when she was um, introducing herself, she was directing one of the shows that I was in in this stage reading festival. Um, and I was like, oh my gosh, like we know all the same people. Like we were working in all the same places at the same time. I was like, how do I not know you? Um, and yeah, so then afterwards she was like, I think we should write a show together. So I was really, I feel like I was super, super fortunate because that's exactly the kind of thing that I used to do. Like that's like my teeny tiny 
creative career. Like, you know, I mean, I quit show business like in 2007 or something and then just quit forever. And then, well, for what I thought was forever. And then, um, yeah, like to have like had the desire to have like a creative life again and not knowing what I was going to do. And then I meet someone with the exact same training, the exact same background almost and like the exact same sensibilities and skill set and same name and the same name it and was like spelled the same. and it's spelled the same <laughs> it was it was meant to be yeah so yeah i mean i didn't th- I, at that time it was not intimidating i think i just yeah it's like we sort of like had our little group and we just did it there's a few things i want to touch on mm-hmm. in all of that uh walking away from show business yeah how did you do that because that's such a tough thing to do. Like, did you feel like it was time for you to make a change and come back to North Carolina? Like, what was that process like? Then my part B to that question Mm -hmm. is how do you deal with, we all get antsy as creatives. Mm -hmm. So when you're in North Carolina, you start getting antsy. How was that process? Um, I would say for me, quitting show business, it was like a really decisive thing to do. I think that it was like, it was like time to either move to LA or not. You know, it was it was like a couple of things. So, I don't know. I think that I just was kind of like, you know, I really like doing this, but I missed my family. I wanted to like have a family. Um, I'd never been to LA, <laughs> you know, and like I like TV, but like I'm not like obsessed with it. And so like I think some of it was just sort of like, okay, you know, how much, how much am I willing to sacrifice for this lifestyle? And like, what do I want out of it? And it's funny. Cause it's like, I, I had this same conversation with a close friend yesterday about the same thing. Like I do, I do think that it's hard. Like we live in a capitalist society. So like, if you have a creative desire, then there is a lot of pressure on you to make it your career and to make money at it. And slash, but once people start paying you for it, it's not yours anymore. So like, and like what you think is great might not make money, you know? So it's like, I don't know. It's like for a couple of things. So like the group that I was in, we kind of like disbanded. We weren't going to write another show. So I was like, I guess I'm just going to go audition for plays. I like didn't want to audition for plays. You know, I'd, I'd been a teaching artist previously, which is like, it's not as much a thing here, but like in Chicago and I think in bigger cities, it's a big thing where like if you are a creative person, you kind of go and have residencies or you go and teach your art to, you know, usually kids like, um, you know, school aged kids. So I'd finally like quit my teaching artist job and I was like, it's like, it's like I'd quit my day job and I was like, I miss my day job, you know? <laughs> so, um, I think it was a bunch of things at once. I also, like, it's funny because this is something that I've wrestled with as as I have come back to having a creative life. And this is, like, this is something I've wrestled with, like, just in the past year. Is that I can look back and I can also say that, like, I had some toxic relationships around that time of, like, people who just made me feel bad about my artistic or creative aspirations. Like... And those were like echoing in my head. Like there was a part of me that was just like, ah, you're not, you know, you're not going to make that, you're not that great. Or like, yeah, yeah, you know, getting recognition in that publication is okay, but it's not like what I'm doing, you know, or it's like, I don't know. So like, that's hard because I don't, I do not regret my decision at all. Like at all. I'm so glad 
that I quit when I did. And like, and I didn't have any doubts at the time, but I look back and I'm like, you know, I let some dream killers like get to me, you know? And I don't, I do not at all wish that I'd moved to LA and like gone and worked on a sitcom at all. Like I missed my family terribly. You know, I never would have met my husband. Like, you know, but, but it's hard to kind of look back and be like, oh, wow. Like I listened to someone who was like, who didn't have my best interests in mind. And so, I don't know. I mean, it's hard, it's hard to say because I don't think that it like led me to make a decision that was a mistake at all. But like, it's kind of hard to unearth that and be like, and I think it happened because I like went back to creative life. And I think there was like a part of me that was like, well, I'll try it and it'll be okay. Cause like, it's not going to be very good anyway. Um, but like, it was great to sort of like be recognized for like Rebecca Jackson artists who, you know, just got her MFA and like, is like really doing this. And for her to just be like, Hey, you're good. I want to write a show with you. And then we wrote a show that like is good and people should go to it. They can get tickets on the Rebecca show.com. Um, so like that was really validating. What's that? Starting March 12th. Starting March 12th. That's right. Thursday through Sunday, March 12th through March 22nd at pure life theater in Raleigh. You can get your tickets at www.therebeccashow.com. So yeah. So it was, was it was kind of a um, uh, amalgamation of all of these things, like negative people and kind of uh, being a bit homesick. How long... Uh, Need to was, sip on that water a little bit more. I know. <laughs> what, uh, was this like over the course of a year or was it just like one bad day and, and like you dropped a playbill into the trash and <laughs> walked out of a smoky broom? You know... I tend to make moves pretty fast. So it was kind of like a bunch of stuff happened all at once. And then I was like, you know what? Um, I'm out of here. Uh, But I didn't leave right away. Um, I would say I probably made the decision over the course of like a summer. And I remember that like I, it's funny because I wasn't sure what I was going to do. I was like, my only skill is talking. And I hadn't heard of speech language pathology back then. But I was like, I can either be a lawyer or I can be a teacher. So you went <laughs> so back to school. I went back to school. So like, I feel like my lawyer friends, and especially like lawyers in Chicago, you know, they were kind of like, yeah, I have this really nice apartment, but I'm never in it, and I'm very sad. You kind and of look like a lawyer. I was about to thank say, you. Like, it's my haircut. Yeah. It's my haircut. No, I've always, I, I, I remember people have been like, you should be on like a legal procedural, um, but, which I'll take. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I like, I, yeah, I went back to school and I remember like staying up late and applying like literally the last possible night that I could do it. I applied to get my master's in, um, elementary education at University of Illinois, Chicago. And then like four weeks later I was starting. So that was pretty awesome. And then I just was sort of like, so yeah, it was quick. I would say it was pretty quick. I think that like, um, yeah, I kind of made it over the course of the summer. And also, like, a couple of things happened where, like, like I said, I wasn't doing shows with this group anymore. And, like, that was really... I was telling Andrew before we got set up that, like, I'm really, really good at plugging shows and, like, p- plugging projects. And, like, I feel like I'm not very good at plugging myself. And, like, when you're an actor, you just have to plug yourself. And oh, I just didn't want to do that. I was like, I, didn't, I don't want to audition for these shows that I don't even want to be in. And, like, you know... I don't know. I remember I kept this voicemail for the longest time from my agent and I got it like on Rosh Hashanah, which is like the, um, the Jewish new year. So it's like, I went into services with my friend and then, um, 
I came back out and I checked my voicemail, which I, you know, you're not supposed to be doing. But anyway, I got, I had this voicemail and I just remember my agent was like, blah, 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 blah. The client wants this and that. And they want you to be really sexy and make sure that you wear sexy clothes and act super sexy. And I was just kind of like, this is not what I want to do with my life. You know, I mean, obviously like it's, it's a pang, you know, it was like one of the, but it was one of those things where I was like, I, I held it up to my friend and I was like, listen to this, you know, the and big it, Shakespeare in the park. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I was just kind of like, you know, it, it was one of those moments where like, it felt like I was like, I'm super duper making the right decision. And then while I was in, while I was in grad school, I was sort of like, it sort of like slowly dawned on me that I was like, oh, I don't have to just live here or in New York or in LA. I can live somewhere else. And then I was like, where do I want to live? And then I was slowly like, oh my gosh, I miss my family. I miss the East Coast. I miss aspects of Southern culture. I was like, I'm going to move to DC. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to move back to North Carolina. No! Bojangles. Yep, Bojangles, Cheerwine, all the things. Um, but yeah, so it just, it, it, that kind of like dawned on me slowly. And then I moved back here and I was, um, oh, it's funny, like one of the things that had happened is that like, I mean, I like quit SAG. I like took, I was like, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. Like I am making a clean break. I'm like starting my new life. I'm going to like. You turned in your prop badge and I gun. turned in my prop get badge <laughs> and gun. I like my little, my little plastic sheriff's badge. Was um, social media thing a thing then? Did you make a social media status? No, no, it wasn't. Um, this was I had, 2007, right? Yeah, I'd right. had, well, I moved down here in 2009. Okay. I had had my, um, like my group was on MySpace. <laughs> okay. And in fact, I think we were like the featured MySpace comedy group. <laughs> Everyone's coughing. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, we're allergic um, to MySpace. No, that's yeah. fine. That's totally fair. Um, but no, and like I didn't even join Facebook until I moved here. I was kind of like a late adopter because I was like, this is a dorky. Like, I don't care what anybody eats for breakfast. But then as soon as I moved away from all my friends, I was like, what, what did everybody eat for breakfast? <laughs> you had to because you were back in college, right? That was back when it was just a college thing. Yeah, I, mean. I think that's right. Yeah. I think, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't, there was not social media when I was in college. But it was like right after. My best friend's incredibly gorgeous older sister had a Facebook, and I was so jealous. Aw, yeah. you were like, she's she's just she's unattain. Everything about it's unattainable. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm 15 but mature. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having feelings, all different kinds of feelings. Maybe it's about Facebook. I think it's yeah, it was Facebook. Now so I'm no, sure. I didn't. I didn't at the time. But then I joined Facebook when I got here. And anyway, when I moved here it, and became, I became a, um, a first grade teacher. And it was like right when the legislature changed here. So like North Carolina used to be and used to have like famously good public schools. Like this what? is where, yeah. Uh, You're like, I would like to beg uh, to differ yeah. based on my experience. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, there was like, yeah, this is like Jim Hunt was, you know, there were at least two governors that were really famous for making public schools so awesome. I mean, um, the it national... feel even worse. Uh, I just got left at the bottom. Uh, <laughs> the national board certification started here and like the School of Science and Math is really unique and like the North Carolina School of the Arts is really unique. But like, you know, right around when we... I mean, it's sort of like happening nationwide too, sort of the erosion of public schools. But Aren't it was a like bad a, time. Like almost last now? Haters. 
Yeah. And naysayers. I got invited to the the School of uh, Science and Math, and I remember my friends picking on me for it. Aww. Yeah. Can't be smart. It's Can't be cool. smart. That's a bummer. Did yeah. you go? No. Because they made fun of you? I mean, I wasn't going to go anywhere. I didn't want to okay. leave my friends, but Aww. it was definitely a part. Like, I, I'm going to go be smart? Like, come, come yeah, on. Yeah, come on. Like, I'm come trying on. to be cool. Yeah. And your mom would have had to go, too. Exactly. His mom went to school with him once. Really? Yeah. Well, I got in trouble, and she... Came to school with me. That's a good mom. Yeah. It's the best story ever. Yeah. Tell me everything. Uh, so, just, uh, wait, this is going to come out beforehand, right? Or at before. Before. You can see the entire story on May 10th. Mother's Day. Mother's Day. My mom was a, a guest on the podcast. And she <gasps> told the story. Yeah. I kept getting in trouble at school. And she was like, one day, she was like, it seems like, she's like, you're good at home. And she's like, but it seems like when you're out of my vision, mm-hmm. you're bad. And I was like, Mom, I'm not liking where your logic is going. And she was like, I can come to school with you. I'm a nurse. I can just switch my and work different mm-hmm. shifts. I'm coming to school with you. And uh, she did. I have two questions. Talk to me. How old were you? I was in middle school. <gasps> the best. Yeah. And what were you doing? Uh, I was just the class clown. Mm-hmm. Took it home every single year. Yep. Josh Bradley was always in second. Yep. Watch your back, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I was always in first. No one could compete with me. Right. I would always, I'd, I'd rather the bit work and go to the principal's office yep. than not. And I was, I was in academically gifted classes. It was just like. I had to do the bit every single time. Aww. In middle school, in seventh grade, I went from the A, A G, A P, whatever math class. Yeah. Kicked out regular math. Kicked out special. Math. <laughs> wow. Just because the teachers refused to engage. That's with me. horrible. Yeah. I had severe behavioral issues. I'm sorry to hear that. I threw spaghetti on my math teacher. You threw spaghetti on your math teacher, <laughs> not at. On. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't aggressive. It was just like, yeah. like, I had those things that happened right out of a sitcom. Like uh, my teacher kicked me out, and for some reason he stopped paying attention to me as I was walking out of the classroom. So he's still teaching the class, and, like, and I'm behind. No, I'm giving him the middle finger. Oh, <laughs> there there's a teacher standing in the doorway, just sitting there watching me. Naughty, naughty. Yep. It's, it's, you you taught little kids. Yes, but yeah, I've I've worked with like all ages. Yeah, teenagers are the worst. <laughs> you're like I speak for myself when I say <laughs> yeah, I, I just, was a terrible teenager. Oh, you're so moody. Yeah, it's true. It's uh, a special time. When you moved back and you were in college, were you uh, like living at home? When I moved back here, mm-hmm. no, I came. Okay, so I'm from Greensboro, and I was like, I want to move. Like, it's funny because now I'm like, I should have moved all the way back. But like, I wanted to be close, but not too close. So I moved to Durham, which is like an hour away. (laughs) And what? (laughs) I was thinking about, go ahead. This is rude. I I was thinking about a prank I played. (laughs) (laughs) Still still laughing. (laughs) No, let's hear it. so uh, we were temporarily in the gymnasium, right? And so we are in the gymnasium, and when things hit the gymnasium floor, it's so loud. No, we were in the auditorium, yeah. and things are so loud. So I was like, okay, what can we do, guys? What could be the loudest thing that could hit the gymnasium <laughs> floor? Uh, 
cassette tapes. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, VHSs. VHSs. Oh, that's even worse because they're so big. They're loud. So the teacher's sitting there teaching, and me and my boys, we invested $20 into this break, prank and had like a whole bunch of blank. How much money did you invest? 20 bucks. That's a lot. <laughs> and so <laughs> the teacher would be like, teaching and like not paying attention, and we would just throw a random <laughs> Uh, like clatter, 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 clatter. And it would just smack the floor. Oh, like, no. <laughs> just and the it was a Beethoven. <laughs> and it was so confusing because she's like, where the are these VHS tapes coming from? This is beautiful. <laughs> Who threw the Truman Show? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it was just such a weird prank that no one could, like, why are there VHS tapes <laughs> just randomly just That's fall? hilarious. <laughs> I'll go ahead. I'm so sorry. That was so rude. It was a really good tangent. Yeah, that I'm was so worth sorry. it. No, it was very worth it. You were, you were. Did you ever so and so? You were. A I was very, Rebecca? very, very, very good at school. What was the worst thing you ever did as a teenager? Yeah. I would like break hearts. I would like. Oh, I would like go breaker. on walks. Oh yeah. I was like a. I was like a. Um. I was like a compulsive make outer. <laughs> oh. I would ignore them. No wonder you talk terrible. so good. <laughs> you're right you're right um yeah i would like like these boys would come around and i would like go on walks with them and i would like we would like go to the park and we would smooch and smooch and smooch and then they'd walk me back to my house and i'd be like bye and then i'd see them the next day and just ignore them which is not <laughs> nice <laughs> but i was just sort of like next um yeah that was not nice did you, i look back and i'm like that was legit not nice did that continue to college no, I had boyfriends in college. Okay. I had boyfriends in college. I was a terrible girlfriend. <laughs> you know, it was. I just kind of feel like no one should be held accountable for anything they do before the age of twenty-five. Oh, definitely. I was going to say thirty because I'm twenty-nine. Sure, yeah, you're like almost there. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. I would like everybody who I dated before twenty-four. I I'm apologize. Sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. very sorry. No, me too. See, I had the opposite. I I was from seventeen to twenty-four, one relationship, mm-hmm. and then after. But that, were you terrible in it? No. Okay, you were good. No, I was. I've always been a monogamist. But that. Doesn't recently. mean you're not terrible. No, we lived together. We okay. were engaged and all that. None of that doesn't mean you weren't terrible. Yeah. Well, she she left me. So okay, okay, okay. She's terrible. Maybe I blame rap I, music I'm not for a, my <laughs> financial choice. Yeah. Rap music. Rap music. Really? It's my. It's rap music's fault and my fault because I made the decisions. But rap music. You're just your brain isn't done yet. Yeah. Your brain is not cooked. You can just blame human development. Exactly. It's really okay. Well, I thought all I needed to do was just like domestic stuff. Like I would work and then come home, bring food, cook, and all of that. A plus. But it's like no, she was she had a career, and I was like, how dare a she? Chef. How dare she? <laughs> no, it is have it aspirations. Is. Okay, so I moved to Durham. It was right when the legislature changed. It was like a terrible time to be a public school teacher in North Carolina. And like, as you probably know, because of social media, all teachers have to have like a side gig and like many, you know, so like a bunch of them, my, it's funny, I was living in a duplex and like the lady that lived next to me worked at a restaurant. And, um, you know, I think now everybody sells stuff in like a pyramid scheme or whatever. And I was just sort of like, oh my God, like I'm, (laughs) and there you go. I was like, I'm just going to get, I'm going to act you know, I was like, I'm just going to go do industrials. And so like, that was my side gig is that I was like, you know, I would like 
I was acting and I was like, this is very sad that I'm acting to support my teaching career. Like this was not the goal at all. It's like the opposite of what I wanted to be doing. The things we will do. I know. Well, it's funny because at the time too, like I would meet people on sets and stuff and they'd be like, oh, you used to do like, oh, you used to do comedy. That's so cool. Like you should be in our web series. And at the time I was like, I'm doing this for money only. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm not. Like I was, I was really disappointed. Cause it's like, I was trying to sort of like get away from show business. Like I was not doing anything creative. I was going and like doing, you know, voiceovers for Novo Nordisk or something. It wasn't, it was not, um, like artistically fulfilling at all. Um, and so, yeah, after like four years, I was sort of like, okay, you know, like I want to have a kid. I can't possibly like, you know, work harder every single year and like, you know, be working like 80 hour weeks and making no money and like spending my time, spending my like what tiny little bit of free time I have, like going and doing industrials for a bank. You're like, yeah. you know, this is ridiculous. So then I went back to school again um, and got a master's in speech language pathology. So you got three degrees? I have yeah I have a ma- I have a bachelor's degree and two master's degrees. So your memoir should be three degrees of Rebecca. Three degrees of I Rebecca. No I solid A minus. I've already decided. <laughs> yeah. Uh, flower dog. You have Snowflake a picture. Pet. Oh wait, what? You have a picture oh. of flower dog, and I was thoroughly impressed by it. Oh thanks. And I want our listeners to know where they can get such flower dog. I think that that flower dog came from CVS. Oh okay. There was like this little. There was this like famous dog named Boo. He was like this. He was like the cutest dog in the world. I think I remember. This. And he like it, he was just this like cute little puffy dog. Is it in commercial? Mm, he has books. Boo has a book. He died. Oh. He died. Oh. I think that he's one of these like very tiny dogs that has this very short lifespan. Wait, that was a real dog? No, 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 no it's a stuffed animal. Like, it like a it's stuffed a stuffed animal. animal. Okay. But but the real Boo also okay. looks looked may he rest in peace. Um, also looked like a stuffed animal. He was this very famous doggy, and so my kids had that dog. And yeah, I mean, that picture, my kid took that picture. I was okay. just like playing with it. And she was like, mommy, I'm gonna take a picture of you. And I just went, I just smiled. And yeah. And I don't, I mean, now I have new headshots because I just, I was like, I don't know. I'm gonna start doing stuff again, I guess. Um, but at the time I didn't have headshots when we started doing the Rebecca show. And like all of my headshots were from before I had kids and looked very the, different. The, the pit show, was that the first incarnation that was the first incarnation of the rebecca show nice. yes yep sweet yeah when did you know it was right was it like was it like i don't want to call it love what it was it chemistry at first sight like you saw rebecca and you're like her name is probably rebecca <laughs> or like how did y'all, how did y'all i was fuse? really you know i was like excited i don't know i sort of like had this like moment of revelation it's sort of like i had it's like i was teaching it wasn't working out. I got married. I went to grad school. I had a baby in the middle of grad school. I finished up. I started working. Then I had another baby. And then I was like still working. And then like all of a sudden I was just like, oh my gosh, like I used to have a creative life. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh, like, I, no, I don't want to do this for my living. Like, I don't need to like do this to feed my kids. But like, that's something that was like the main focus of my life for like the entire, my, like my whole childhood and like, you know, adolescence and college. And like, it was a really important part of my life. And I just like completely let it go away. And so like, I think that for a little while I was just so excited to do anything. Like I went and auditioned for these, um, 
this like staged reading festival, which is how I met Rebecca. And I remember like on the way there, I was like, I don't want to go to auditions, audition. And then all of a sudden I was like, no, this audition is like time away from my children (laughs) and like time away from my regular life. And I get to make up a character and like just going to the audition was really fun. And then like going to, um, like going to the first read through was just amazing because it like it didn't occur to me like I think because I was like having this revelation that like having a creative life was going to be something that was so important to me so I was just like I love everyone in this room um I remember that I had like okay this is like a weird thing about me but I get ocular migraines I don't know if you've heard of these I had not heard of them but they don't hurt so for me it's weird like um like I'll just like see spots. I guess like people who get migraines a lot of times will like have this eye thing happen too, where like you see spots and like wiggity wiggity wiggity. It's like a it's like an animation from the seventies or something. And um, like it happened to me a couple of times, and I went to my eye doctor because my mom was like, "You're having a stroke." Um, <laughs> so I went, and she was like, "Oh, did it happen like after there was stress?" And I was like, "Yeah, I think so. Actually, like I had one on spring break. This is when I was a teacher, and I'm like spring break." Like normal, you know, whatever teacher, teacher hanging out spring break. I got to read some novels, Um, but like, um, it happens. It's, she's like, you know, something back there happens and it like releases. And so you'll get these ocular migraines. She's like, as long as, you know, she's like, as long as it doesn't happen while you're driving and you don't have the pain, she was like, you're lucky. Like you get migraines without having a headache. So I remember like after our first rehearsal in which I met Rebecca and like the rest of the cast, I like got into the car and I was like, Oh my God. like I had this like huge ocular migraine. So yes, I would say yes, it was love at first sight, but it was mostly just love at like getting to work my skills again and like create a, like have a creative community and like at the time it was just like cool icing on the cake that like the lady that was directing our show you know we had so many connections um but like at the time I was sort of like you know she's our director I don't know but then after the show happened yeah we got together and like she yeah she like proposed writing a show and I was it felt it felt it was great um this was 2017 this was t- it's like two, three years ago. I Because th- you guys came to the pit in 2018. Eight, eight. 2018. No, it was 2019. Was it? It was last year. Wow. So that would have all been, it would have been in 2018. So like 2018 was when I realized that I needed a creative life. And I went and did this thing at the Women's Theater Festival. I met Rebecca. Then that summer, she was like, let's write a show. At the end of the summer, she was like, let's write a show together. Then we wrote the show together. And it took like nine months because... I mean, for the first few months, we just got together. And yeah, it was kind of like, you know, we weren't going to be doing like a, a Super Mario parody or something. Like it was going to be about life. So like we were, we talked about, you know, just sort of like what it's like to leave. I mean, she had also left show business and then come back. Um, you know, she had kids. We sort of like talked about adult responsibilities and like what it's like to sort of like, you know, um, I've sort of said that like the way I think of it is sort of being like, you kind of like make this calculus with yourself when you're an adult where you're like, Hmm, how many bogus things can I do before I'm a bad person? (laughs) Like the things that I used to do, like, you know, back when I was 14, boys would just come around my house and I would go on walks with them and like smooch them and then like never see them again or like never acknowledge their existence again. Like, you know, for... You can't do that when you're married? (laughs) No, you can't. You can't do that as an adult. Like, that's very uncool. 
Yeah, unfortunately, your uh, significant other typically is hard to ignore. Not happy about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, just stuff like that. I mean, not like that particularly. I'm not, I have no temptation to do that. But it's sort of like, you know, the stuff that I did, the you know, the way that we treated people back before we were, you know, back before our brains had grown in completely. Like, you can't act like that when you're an adult. And so we wrote a comedy show about it. We wrote a comedy show about responsibility. No, just kidding. But about like sort of being like, okay, there are like moments in life or there are times in life where you're like, this is a bummer. This is going to make life hard for me. I don't like this. But it's like, what kind of a person do I want to be? Like, at what point do like all of, at what point do your decisions inform your character? Like, you know, do you want to go through life as a Becky? Or do you want to like be the Rebecca that we all know you can be? And that's not a knock on anyone who goes by Becky. Do you still have the neighbor? Which neighbor? From the show. I think it's during the one where you're holding the signs and the guy is like, no, uh, no, that's back when I lived. No, that was so funny. Yeah. I, I, yeah, no, he was great. I really liked him. There's a, um, that's funny. That's, that makes me feel good that you remember that scene. Um, I have, we have, uh, we each have a sketch that I think is like, sort of like about our identities, I guess, of like how we deal with cognitive dissonance. Hers, I think. I thought I had to guess it was the one with the mom. Um, well, hers was about the mom too, but hers was like a solo scene. There's like a solo scene where like someone, I mean, just literally asks her about cognitive dissonance and she oh, sort yeah. of like gives this long, monologue. she's sort of yeah. this like bougie lady being like, you know. Um, so for me, it was sort of like, um, I'm Jewish. I think I mentioned before and I grew up in the South. So like being a Southern Jewish person is just very different from being a Jew in New York where you will be someday soon or even in DC, which is like a Southern city, but it's like, I, I won't be Jewish though. I'll just be. In You'll New York. be a little bit Jewish though. Really? By yes. Like osmosis. Yes. Okay. Cool. Yes, it cool. is cool. <laughs> um, so, like, you know, here in Chapel Hill, which is this like supposedly very progressive city, like people have said some crazy stuff to me. So, like, and so, like, yeah, I had a I had a neighbor who like, um, who was like. Um, you say he's a you. You clarify that like you did like him. He was. A, I liked him so much. Nice he guy. like yeah. I was like out with my baby, and he met us. He met my daughter and I. My daughter's name is Ruth, and he was like, oh, Ruth and Rebecca, those are Bible names. Are you Christian? And I was like, no, no, sir. You know, I said, no. I was like, no, we're Jewish. And he was like, I don't know why everybody hates the Jews. And like he was actually very sincere, and in fact, like brought candy to our house for Easter and like Elena was like a very sweet person and like I don't think was even saying like like I think he was just sort of like you seem so nice I don't know why people don't like you <laughs> you know but yeah yeah so like yeah it's about cognitive dissonance and all you know like for instance being like I'm in Chapel Hill which is the supposedly very progressive place people are saying super messed up stuff to me but also I still really like this person who has said messed up stuff to me um, so yeah, I think that there's cognitive dissonance and, and then it's also about kind of like just the, yeah, deciding to be a good person. I feel like it's all about how you end that sentence too. Like if you were like, I don't understand why they hate the blacks or I don't understand why they, <laughs> I don't know if that'd be a better sentence. I mean, I think there's like layers and layers and layers of like bad ideas that just get filtered down through generations forever. What's the guy doing as he's saying it? Yeah. What was he doing? I think he was. I'm picturing. He was doing yard work. Neighbor from Home Improvement, where you can just see his eyes. No, no. (laughs) He was. He looked like Santa Claus, but with like no teeth. 
He was he was I funny. He was guy. like, hey, "Do Paul, you?" No, now he was like, he was like, "Yeah, I moved here so I could go to the dental school. They're going to give me some teeth." He was like, he was not a particularly typical Chapel Hill person. Yeah. I think like he wasn't like, "Oh yeah, I'm here for my postdoc." Well, this area has like this weird cutoff where it turns into all farms. Yes. Yeah. So maybe there's some maybe downtown Chapel Hill is progressive, but I don't know. I don't know. You got your squad, by the way. I was looking. Lisa Jolly. She's that's awesome. A, that's a first round draft pick. Yeah. We were so lucky. Like, Will just recommended her and we were like, hey, can you direct this? And she was like, yes. So, yeah. I mean, I feel like we, I, I feel like we lucked into the uh, Rebecca show. Like, I, I was so lucky meeting Rebecca and then, like, things just fell into place. It was, yeah, she's amazing. She was awesome. Are y'all's kids the same age? And the reason I ask is because I have this vision somehow that me and Andrew's future children go to school Aww. together. Um, um, I mean, it's pretty much contractually obligated that if one of us has a baby with somebody, the other person has to immediately, whether through in vitro or, you know, we got to find a way. You got to find a way kidnapping. No. Otherwise, we have to dismantle this Nothing's whole thing. Nothing's off the table. Nothing's um, off the table. All right. Um, we shouldn't admit that on camera. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like this is being recorded. Lisa's son and Rebecca's oldest son have the exact same birthday. So they're the same age, but my kids are younger. Mine are three and five. Nice. But yeah, Rebecca's are like nine and 11 or like 10 and 12. DJ Geo. Yes. DJ Geo Yo is, um, is Lisa's son, George. Gotta start that, uh, uh, make them study a lot so they can jump up some grades. There you go. Skip it. BBFFs. Yeah. Just imagine. Just imagine. <laughs> I, I like you can to... you can be older just by <laughs> pressuring you yourself. Want, uh, <clears throat> geez, did you always want uh, kids and a family and stuff? No, I think that I like for a while it was kind of like a. Um, like in the abstract, like I always worked with kids and I always really liked kids. And like, I worked in a preschool and people were like, you're going to make a great mom someday. And I was like, yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. You know, but I was like, I have a creative career. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, I don't know. But like, you know, around the time, around the time that I quit show business, like all of a sudden I was like, Oh my God, like I want children. And I think that like many women that happens to them, like all of a sudden it's like, you, tick tick. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I guess that's what happened to me. Is that like all of a sudden it became like not abstract, and I was like, would I don't know anyone that I would want to have a kid with. <laughs> like I got to change my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Would dudes act the way they do if uh, we had a biological clock, like a, a deadline of like if we could suddenly stop Cubs? Because I, I uh, Theo Vaughn, the comedian, his dad had him when he was like eighty. Dang! It's like I wonder. I wonder how that would change, uh, kind of some of the way these dudes are running around here. I cannot say. Yeah, I, I can think about it sometimes. Like, it's part of the reason I stay in shape. Is like just in case I pop one out when I'm fifty. Not that it just <laughs> happens like that. It's this very. There's a lot. How old are you? (laughs) I'm 30. Oh. Yeah. But like I can, I don't think about it as much because I'm hoping to be able to still play basketball and stuff with them when I'm seven. I mean, you like just moved in with your girlfriend. You're 30 years old. (laughs) Like things are going in a very. (laughs) 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 
have news for you. I don't know if you know how much anxiety went into that move. You are headed in a particular direction. A lot of anxiety went into that move. Okay. Uh, it was tough. Stop. Stop talking. <laughs> I'm just going to erase the... Let me, let me pick that um, very disruptive cassette tape off the, <laughs> off the gymnatorium floor uh, and throw it over no, here. I think the reason why I was able to do it is because her and I can have conversations like that. You have but, to. Yeah. You have to. You have to. Because I was like, I'm, I'm still sometimes think about being a young man on the prowl, but I like you. And we just have we can have those real ass. Do you want to be a Becky or not? Right, like be, going off and being on the prowl would be a Beckyish thing to do. It would, I, but I loved that lifestyle for a while. Yeah, you know? but sometimes it gets old. But it's like, yeah, and you know, like I don't know. Having been a young woman in the world, I can say that like it gets old. Not that it gets, but like the dudes who are like out trying to do that when they're like, it's just yeah. You can't. You can't. I don't know. People can do what they want. I don't want to kill people's dreams. But like, you, you know, it's it's, it's very not. different. You can't. I don't know. It's like told, unsavory. <laughs> I was talking to this guy outside of a show in Raleigh, uh, and we were like, I'm twenty, turning twenty nine, and he was Happy like birthday. about the same age. Okay. And he's like, Yeah, where do you? Uh, uh, we were talking. I was like, Yeah, I'm thinking about moving back to Chapel Hill. And he made a comment about like college girls. Dude. I was like. Ew. It's not like you're 30. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Yeah, man? that's like, ugh. it's just yeah. It's like, you can't. You can't. It's annoying. Yeah, and I feel like your your window closes a lot. Like when you're when you're in hookup culture, you're trying to do anything to hook up, so you might stay up later mm-hmm. on a weekday because <laughs> like. This you, you it's not consistent. You no, know? I need mm-hmm. seven hours now. Yeah, so like, yeah, there are a couple of times when I like would be like, before I met her, I'm like, I have to get up in the morning. So I'm sitting there cl- closing doors as I get older because I need more hours. It's true. You, start you have to, to just slow reprioritize. Down. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I still can't say. I don't know. Thirty five, maybe. Then I'll start thinking about it. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I also very much enjoy just being single. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. You're not it's peaceful. Yes. You know, I'm tired of being accountable to people. It's Enough very peaceful to be alone. I feel like uh, being a parent, you have to have accountability. Yeah. Uh, what was that transition like? And I'm just taking advice <laughs> right now. It was, I mean, it was huge. It was, I mean, I'm very fortunate to have like had kids when I wanted with the person that I wanted too but like it was still really hard I mean I've said like a friend of mine is thinking about having kids and I'm just like you know we had every possible advantage and it was still a lot you stop being the star of your life is what my mom has said how much time is between the two um almost two years they're like 23 months apart so yeah it changes your life still rough it's all the cliches are true yeah yeah Um, so let's give them a little pitch about the, the, the Rebecca show. Yes. The Rebecca show is a sketch comedy show. It runs about 75 minutes. Um, it's explores cognitive dissonance, which is something that we all live with. And it also explores, um, like I said, kind of like, um, the decisions that we make as adults that inform our character and sort of like, how do you become... I don't know. I'm not. I'm not good at this. Now I'm on the spot. I can't do it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's very commentary. funny. We do. There's there's some commentary, but it's funny. Like I feel like I'm sort of talking about all these heavy issues, kind of like your show talks about heavy issues, but is still funny. Like our show is a comedy show for sure. But 
you know, it's like you kind of have to laugh so you don't cry. I think it's one of those. I think my favorite was the uh, Mary and Joseph. Sketch. Thank you. The two Marys sketch. Yeah. Yeah. Mar- two Marys. Yeah, Mary yeah. and Mary. Thank you. That's that's definitely a crowd pleaser. So yeah, it, it, it travels from biblical times all the way up through today. And the future, Quite literally, actually, and yes, there's actual literal time travel as well, and um, yeah, it just sort of like explores heavy stuff, but will make you laugh in the process. We say that it's the show that makes audiences laugh, cry, and squirm. Oh, 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 oh! And there's audience participation still. The yes. talk show. Yes. 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 Yes, yes. There are people who are dealing with various degrees of... You have a great memory. Yeah, Andrew ran our tech um, at our run here at the pit quite well, I might add. Oh, thank you. And yeah, yes. I I love that that sketch. I love that sketch. That sketch is like so ridiculous. Anyway, this is like not entertaining to be like, I love that sketch (laughs) that I'm in. I love my own show. Well, some of the um, responses you get from the audience. Yes. It's it's funny because you don't know because uh, it is so, uh, somewhat of a political sketch. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's like two ultra conservative ladies. Yeah. This is a sketch that Rebecca Jackson wrote. These like two ultra conservative ladies who have like a podcast. It's like a call in podcast, and so then we take we take questions from the audience, and you don't know what you're gonna get. You don't know what you're gonna get, and like sometimes yeah, and like audience members are like, "Ooh, I'm going to say something provocative," or they're like, "Ooh, I'm going to say something really." milk toast you know because i don't know what these <laughs> completely bonkers characters are gonna do but yeah thank you yeah i like that sketch too but there's lots and lots and lots of different kinds of characters and it's really fun and it's like awesome to be able to just write your own stuff and make it happen mm-hmm. i'm still mad at adam adam what did he adam do from yeah from biblical times oh that adam i thought you meant adam here i was oh, like no. what did he do oh no, no. he's running a drill yeah. he's running a no. saw right next door exactly yeah. we're next to a very very angry dentist there's like a <laughs> no there's like a circular saw yeah. next door what are they doing he's building a stool don't you know you can buy stools at ikea <laughs> <laughs> what kind of stool uh it's like a it's gonna be a fancy stool for the bar Okay. There's going to be one fancy stool at the bar. It's like the throne. Yes. The, the bar throne. If you sit on it, anybody will talk to you. Oh. Yeah, you can get anybody's number in that stool. I, like you thought, I thought you were serious. I was like, wait, is this a game? <laughs> no, it's very serious. And uh, if you thought auditions were cutthroat already, uh, there's going to be a Game of Thrones <laughs> coming up. All right. Okay, I'm just. I didn't watch it, so I'm not helpful. Today. No, I'm sorry. I'm not good at pop cultural <laughs> references. We just started watching Game of Thrones. Oh yeah, together. Yeah. 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 Uh, so we have this po- special part of the podcast. Okay. That we la- let people give a motivational speech. Oh my god. Uh, to people who need to hear it, maybe there's a 17 year old that's about to move across the country right now, um, but they want to hear Rebecca's motivational speech. Here's my motivational speech to 17-year-old me. I want to look at this. Here's my my motivational speech to 17-year-old me, I guess, is to try everything. Um, Nothing is forever. You can always change your mind. And it's okay to just be you. And don't listen to people who don't have your back. And you can be friends with, you should be friends with people who love you and who care about you and who are going to be good to you. And someone who can saber open, saber open a champagne bottle does not make them a good friend. 
Like that's a bonus, but that like your criteria for who should be your friend should be, are they good to you? Do they make you feel good about yourself? Do they encourage you to be your best self? And not whether they're just like, they can do bits or are cool or are fun and like get you in cool places. Like, you know, it's like the, the where were you when I needed you criteria is what should be your criteria for friendship. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes people are very shiny on the outside. Yeah. Like you can fall in love with someone just by uh, th- their shiny attributes. Like I've seen mm-hmm. someone light a cigarette in a in like a in a fire without they they're like I'm just gonna go, we're having a what, what's it called like a fire like bonfire. a bonfire yeah. And she lit a cigarette and I was in love. Yeah. Like. Her eyebrows were gone, but there was just something about that. You could never boldness. tell what she was feeling. Exactly. That like, did she end up being great for me? No. Mm-mm. But how do we avoid that like that love at first light feeling? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I watched this documentary a long time ago about autistic people, like autistic adults and dating. And there was this one man who was autistic and he was like, he was like, I have a criteria. I mean, it was really cool. I thought it was really smart. And he was like, I have a criteria for like compatibility and relationships or like whether a relationship is going to be good. And he was, oh, what was it? Anyway, I don't remember what the acronym was, but he was like, he was like, there's, there's four quadrants of it. And like the first part is just attractiveness. Like, are you attracted to that person? Like, do you like how, like, do you want to be around them? Yeah. Write this down. Then the second part was compatibility. Like, do you have the same kind of a lifestyle? Do you like to do the same kind of things? Like, if you like to go to the opera and, you know, go shopping, then, like, maybe you don't want to be with someone who, like, goes rock climbing, you know. But maybe you do. Who knows? And But he was like, so, okay, you know, like, attractiveness is 25%, and, like, lifestyle compatibility is another 25%, but he was like, but 50% is TT. And the TT is two Ts. It's how do they treat you. And how they treat you counts... For 50%. And I was like, that is so astute that like, and I think that that can go for friendships too. Like you can have like an attraction to a friend where you're just like, you're so cool. I just want to be around you. I have so much fun with you. Like you're so awesome. And then there's like, oh, we like to do all the same things. This is great. But like you can have those two things, but if they treat you bad or like make you feel bad or like break promises to you, like it's not a good friendship, even if you love being around them. And even if you like to do all the same things, like how you, tr- how the, another person treats you and also how you treat them, you know, I mean, you also have to like be, you have, you have to be a friend to have a friend. Um, you know, I, I think that like as an adult, that has become like more and more important to me is like realizing that like, you know, I have, I mean, and I have like lots, I have lots of friends that are really cool. I would like you to know. Um, but like, but really like what makes them a good friend is that they treat me well and like bring out good things in me. And that like, I feel like I can take care of them too. I don't know. This so is very corny. I got to look for more than just tattoos and uh, anime. Thing. Yeah. You got to look, you're right. So that's attraction and compatibility, which are important. Like, you know, you don't want to be with someone that you have no connection with. Like, you're like, I mean, I think we've all probably been in relationships even. Like, romantic relationships, I think, happen the most often where you're like, they're so good to me, but, like, they're just not interesting as a person. Or, like, I don't actually want to kiss them. You know, so it's like, but, you know, like, with friendships and romantic relationships, too. Like, how they treat you counts just as much as do you like the same things. And I can't take credit for that. That was, like... I don't remember what the documentary was called, but it really hit me. And I was like, oh my gosh, like that's, it's true. 
Uh, was were you married at this point? Because like I feel like to learn that after you're married. You're like, no, yeah. I my husband and I watched it together. Okay. I don't know if we were married at the time. I mean, I met my husband when I was thirty. Okay. Like I was like I didn't even meet my husband. In fact, I realized that I was like this week. I met my husband this week. 10 years ago. So like, and especially around here, people get married young. They have kids young. Like I was one of the first people to get married in my friend group. Cause like all of us, like all of my friends from college were artists. So like I got married at 33 and like, I didn't, none of my other friends were married, you know, but like, I know that my cousin who's eight years younger than me, she was talking about like the wave of weddings after college. And I was like, I did not experience that. Like people did not. <laughs> or oh, everyone started getting married around me. I was like, chill out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but yeah. it's true. Cause it's like, you're making this huge lifelong decision before your brain has even grown yeah, in. I, and then there's I, a wave oh, of divorces evidently. Yeah. yeah. I say everyone has two marriages. Yeah. That's the modern America now. I joke about it, but yeah, my friends, I mean, it's not their fault, but they definitely caused a lot of issues in my first relationship after college. Because it was like everybody around us, everyone in our friend group were getting married. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. There's a lot of social pressure. You were smart not to do it because you knew it was not (laughs) the right thing for you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So I don't know. I think that's, that's my motivational speech is to like surround yourself with people who are good to you and, and to recognize when someone's being not nice to you, which I think sometimes unfortunately takes experience. Like it took me a long time to like, look back at that coach and realize that like he was being terrible to me. Like I was, you know, like you don't realize it. I think until later sometimes. Power play, snatch a cigarette I from mean. his hand, smash it on the ground. <laughs> I think the goal in life is to uh, have as many people as possible around your deathbed who love you. And uh, that's why I'm a polygamist. I'm joining <laughs> <laughs> Mormonism. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Salt Lake City. All right. Um, so, uh, so we're near the end. Okay. Uh, you, you gave your synopsis. Can you tell them the dates one more time? Yes. Uh, the dates for The Rebecca Show Presents What If I'm the Becky are March 12th through the 22nd, Thursday through Sunday, Thursday and Sunday performances are at 7 p.m. Friday and Saturday performances are at 8 p.m. It's in a beautiful building. It's in the historic Royal Bakery building in Raleigh, right across from Meredith College. It's in the same building as Comedy Works. Um, So a lot of your comedy fans will will know that theater. And yeah, I think that I would love for y'all to come, get tickets, laugh, cry, feel uncomfortable. That, uh tavern thing has nice burgers true grab a burger before or after get a burger before or after yeah please come you can get your tickets on the rebecca show.com i'm gonna put you on the spot for one last question what should we ask rebecca (gasps) when she's on this show i have one last question too okay okay i don't know because i don't want you to i don't know she's she's gonna bring like i I'm a boring person and like, I'm not going to like Rebecca is going to be hilarious and dynamic and amazing. Like you're not going to have to ask her anything. She's just going to have everything. She's going to, she's going to bring the whole thing. So Uh, that's my non-answer. Okay. Well, I asked this question before and they told me to ask about like 
powdered waffles and that like triggered something in the person. Oh. So is, is there like a, something that would be, I don't Does know. she have like a, a, a special interest? A spe- she has so many special interests. Rebecca's amazing. I love Rebecca. Um, I don't know. Oh, I really am on the spot now. <laughs> no, I, don't no, no, I don't know. Okay, I don't no know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Fair enough. That's it. And what's your question? Oh, uh, so in high school, did you listen to Beck? Yes. Oh, man. Yes. You got it. Call back. <laughs> I'm here for it. Uh, Andrew, give the slogan for the episode. Uh, so I'm working on marketing. So I do a slogan or a motto thing, like a tagline for all of our guests. So this is going to be um, Rebecca. She's clever as a fox. That good? I'll take it. Okay. Okay. Or Rebecca <laughs> Fox rocks. I will also take it. <laughs> All right. Uh, does everyone want to drop their social media? Sure. Um, follow the Rebecca show on Facebook and also on Instagram, Rebecca, Rebecca show show. Uh, follow me on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Uh, yes, TikTok. Uh, Andrew Gleason, NC. Follow Humor and Mistakes on Instagram, Humor and Mistakes Podcast. Like us on Facebook. Uh, leave a review. Tell us what you want us to improve on. And you can follow me at I Keep It McReal because I keep it oh so real. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and go see the Rebecca Show. Go see yep. the Rebecca Show. We out. Thank you for listening to the podcast all the way through. If you've enjoyed this, please like and subscribe. Or just let us know what we can do to improve your listening experience. Thank you, little mistakers.